You're listening to The Aligned and Free Show, a spiritually infused personal development podcast for the ambitious woman. Our passion is to help you align with who you really are, what you really want, and to free yourself from the BS that's holding you back so that you can manifest your very own magical life. We talk about manifestation, of course, spirituality, wellness, mindset shifts, business, and so much more. I'm your host, Shakia Mayer, licensed mental health clinician, speaker, and spiritual mindset coach. All right, let's get into it. Today, we have Genevieve Joy on the show. She's a higher self healer and transformative guide for warrior women across the globe. Genevieve went from victim to warrior while overcoming multiple debilitating chronic health conditions that experts said were incurable, left a 14-year abusive marriage, and completely transformed herself into an empowered woman who truly loves her life. She teaches women to become unfuckwithable. If that sounds like something you're interested in, this episode is for you. I'm super excited to talk to you because when I saw what you do in terms of the work with the higher self and higher self healing, and I was like, oh, this is up my alley. And I'm curious on your perspective and and how you help your clients. So that's some of what we're going to talk about. You are a higher self healer and hypnotherapist. And I read in your bio that you work with women to become unfuckwithable. And that is something we have in common. And so when I saw that, I said, I want to talk to this lady. (laughs) Um, So I just want to hear a little bit more about uh, the work you do with women and how you help them get there. The unfuckwithable. (laughs) <laughs> it's my it's my favorite thing and everybody I tell that word to they're like oh yeah I want that so, <laughs> so basically I help martyr women to become warrior women um, at the highest level I'm on a mission to make the world a better place by ending the suffering of as many women as I can who believe that in order for them to be valuable in order for them to receive the deep love that they desire and live a life that is vibrant and deeply fulfilled, they need to live in a way that ultimately causes them to feel dead inside uh, by giving until they have nothing left. That's me and the work that I do in a nutshell. And the way that I approach that um, is, is through the spiritual avenues, right? And um, yes, it's mindset. Um, yes, we need to go through what I call the great remembering of remembering the truth of who you really are, uh, you know, by changing your perspective on your past, on who you are right now in your present moment, on your future, on what's possible for you, um, on the world around you, right? We, we need a whole uh, deconditioning, right, of all that social mm. programming that we've taken on that, that just is not working. Um, it's just not working. And, and that is actually the first step um, in my process. I'm working with clients is doing that great remembering, coming back to the truth of who you really are. Um, yeah. And that's, and once we have that, then I have specific tools that I use to help you to get to the root and release all of the major negative emotions from your past that are holding your back, as well as the limiting beliefs and um, past experiences that are causing you to feel like you need to be self-sacrificing and overgiving and stay stuck in victim mode, right? So that you can begin to imagine you know, a, a real new future for yourself. But if we just stop there, you know, there's there's no forward motion here, mm-hmm. right? We've also got to um, move what I call is your pleasure threshold. 
And this is something that I, I didn't, I found this out for myself um, here, not that long ago, actually, uh, that this was even a thing that existed. Um, if you want to know more about that, I'm happy to tell I'm you. I'm like, uh, well, yes, ma'am. What <laughs> is said pleasure threshold? Talk to me yeah. a little bit about it. <laughs> right. Okay. So, you know, the reason why you want something is not just to have that thing. If you're like, I really want to buy a brand new Mercedes. The truth of the matter is it's not really the Mercedes you're after. It's the feeling you're going to have when you're sitting in that Mercedes or when it's parked in your driveway, right? That's mm -hmm. what you're after. Having that thing is going to give you a specific kind of pleasure that you don't have right now. Well, the thing is, if having that kind of pleasure right now is not 100% okay for you, you're going to sabotage yourself every time. Yes. Okay. So, and this, and it, and it works on a broad context in your life because I believe that, you know, we don't consciously choose to go out and, and create our problems. If we did, you know, half the couples who get married in their vows, they would say, I take you and you forever and ever until July 25th, 2024, when I will see you in divorce court. Thank you very much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's conscious problem creation, but nobody does that. That's because mm -hmm. I believe our problems are created at an unconscious level. And they're created by our past patterns, you know, again, combinations of negative emotions, limiting beliefs, and past experiences that are coming together to create unhelpful patterns that are then playing out in our future. And our unconscious mind wants to keep us safe. Its primary directive is to, you know, make sure that we survive on all levels, not just the physical level, right? Mm -hmm. The mental, emotional, and spiritual level as well. <laughs> and it, it wants the known, and the known is about the past, right? If there's so if there's any part of you that feels the least bit unsafe in any one of those levels, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or physically, it's going to sabotage your success, but it might come in funny packages. So I'll give you an example. Not too long ago, um, I had been saying to myself, God, I just really don't like my house anymore. And I just really want to move. It's time for me to move. Um, and every time I would come, you know, pull up to my house and come in the front, I would have this thought like, oh, it's so ugly. I hate this house so much. I'm just like done, right? It's like, it's obviously time to move. Um, and then all of a sudden it occurred to me, well, hold on a second. Why can't like I make the front of my house cute? Like I could have a cute house now while I look for a new house. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be an either or situation. And so I, I set a budget and I made a fun little landscaping plan. And one weekend I was like, I'm totally going to do this. And this sounds like so great. So I made my whole plan totally within the budget and I went to the landscaping store, bought all my stuff, filled up my car, came home and I'm, I've got my arms full of these beautiful, wonderful smelling plants and I'm all excited about it. And halfway into my house, I get this overwhelming feeling of guilt mm. and me being who I am, I stop. I literally stopped walking hands full of plants and I went, okay, <laughs> is guilt an appropriate emotion for me to be experiencing right now? Did I just do something that violated my values? Am I living out of integrity right now? No. Okay. Then that means that this guilt, this emotion that I'm experiencing is inappropriate. So what's really going on right now? And I'm, I, mm -hmm. oh, I was just going to say the, I love that. So in, in that moment, instead of judging it or instead of having the guilt go from guilt to now shame and holding on to a lot of these negative emotions, you assess it, right? And so something that I do with clients, especially clients who I see for uh, therapy for mental health counseling, is teaching 
how to recognize whether or not the guilt is justified or unjustified. Do I need to experience, do I need to have this right now? Do I need to hold on to it? So I love that where in that moment, it's, wait a minute, I did something that I wanted to do because I felt like it would help me and my current situation. I don't need to necessarily move. And if I do, maybe not in this moment, but I just want to make this environment. I want to make this space feel a little bit better, a little bit more welcoming. You know, I wanted to have a vibe. And so you took out, you, you took some steps to go and make that happen. And then just like so many people, especially women, oh, wait, I maybe I shouldn't have done that. Oh, shit. I shouldn't have done that. Yep. Wait, was that? And so I, I'm just, I'm, I'm resonating with this story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I dropped the plants right there. Car full of plants. I don't care. I walk into my house and I do like, I need to move a little bit. Right. So like really think. Um, so I started pacing my living room and talking to myself, <laughs> but that's, I'm an external processor. So that's what I got to do. Right. So, and I just started asking myself, like, what's really going on here? What do I believe to be true? That really isn't working for me. What's the belief that's having a hard time? Where's the conflict? And it all of a sudden I realized like, I, I'm afraid that I could be wasting time, energy, mm. and money on something that I'm just going to leave. In other words, I don't really deserve to be happy right now in this way, in the way I want. Mm. I should only have that kind of happiness later on, mm. but later on is never now. Mm. And for me in my world, I don't do either ors anymore. Everything gets to be a yes and. Yes, yes I want yes. a new house. And I get to be, have a beautiful house right now. Right. I get to have all the things, all the things. Yes. I say like the life we, I I, I don't know why I just got so excited. I'm like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) but because it's so true life, we get to choose to live life in the, and the A and D instead of always feeling like we have to choose this or that, because then either way, it's going to feel guilt. We're going to experience the guilt. We're going to experience the frustration, the resentment, and not saying that we shouldn't. These are, these are emotions and we are human and we are allowed to have these emotions, but we don't have to have these emotions all the time. Every time we're trying to make a choice every time we're trying to do something for us and so yes I get to have this I get to put these plants in my house and I get to do x y and z ah Mm -hmm. yes see sounds people sometimes people miss miss Mm -hmm. that part because we live in such a fast-paced society of instant gratification and we we don't sometimes stop to realize like this small little little piece or gym or what we might deem as small, but not because it can be a game, a game changer. It can be life changing, literally just acknowledging the and. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Because when you do this either or thing, what you're really doing behind the scenes is saying that whatever this is, is limited. Mm. And I don't care what it is. It's not limited. I don't care what it is. If it's Mm -hmm. money, money is a renewable resource. There are a million ways for you to get more of that happiness. Mm -hmm. That's not limited at all. That comes from within you. You got an Mm -hmm. infinite supply of that, right? Mm -hmm. The issue is your capacity to receive and experience that now. That's the issue. And that's what I realized in this moment. And so you know how it works, right? Sometimes, you know, you bring these things to the surface. And as soon as you bring it to the surface, it just looks so silly that it's like, it just dissolves on its own and no further work is required. And Mm -hmm. that's what happened for me. 
And I, I realized that in that moment, had I not stopped and taken a look at what was going on here, is this emotion appropriate? What's going on behind the surface? And is this okay for me to be doing? You know, I probably would have made one of a couple of choices. I would have been like, oh shit, I shouldn't do this. Let me go ahead and return all these plants and never mind, right? Or I would have done something that maybe actually would have been worse, which is to just go do it anyway while I feel the sense of guilt and allow the sense of guilt to grow. Mm. And what that mm. might have done is lowered my belief in myself, right? My belief in my ability to have all the things I want. And in my book, that self-belief is the most precious resource that you will ever have. Because if you don't believe that change is possible for you, it's always going to be impossible. There, There is no thing I can say to you. There's no trick or tool in the world that's going to fix that for you. It's, it's, you got to believe that you can have yeah. this, that you can do yeah. that. You can have just a teeny tiny bit of it, but you got to have something. You yeah. got to have something. Um, no, absolutely. I love that. So yeah. let's back up just a little bit. Um, I'm curious to hear your journey, a little bit of your journey on how, what led you to this type of work and, and understanding what it is that you were able to teach so many women now. Yeah. Um, well, I, I just feel such a passion for helping martyr women in that victim spot because I was one, I did it all the way. Um, I grew up with two narcissistic parents and I had a lot of PTSD from my childhood. Um, I think the word narcissist is, is like, it's kind of thrown around a little bit. And, you know, it's become a buzzword. Kind of think, yeah, a little bit. And, you know, a lot of people are like, my boyfriend's a dick. Well, he's just such a narcissist. Like, okay, this is actually a thing. And it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know you feel me. <laughs> yeah. No, they were actually certifiable borderline sociopaths where like if they're not having emotion in themselves in that moment, it doesn't exist outside of for anybody else or at all in the world. Mm. That's the level that we're talking about. I got the blame for it. If you know, if they didn't pay their water bill on the time, it was my fault. I could be 11 years old and it was my fault. Mm. Um, and that was tough. That was really, really tough. I felt like I needed to earn love. They, I definitely didn't feel like my parents loved me at all. Um, and then I needed to, to work to earn that. And so, you know, I was that kid getting straight A's and I didn't play sports because I didn't know that at that time that I was born with cancer. And mm. um, I actually was born with thyroid cancer, which is typically thought of as like an old lady disease. Uh, but by the time I was 11 years old, I had a, you can see the scars on my neck. I had a softball sized tumor in my neck by the time I was 11 years old. And, um, and so it wasn't until you, my apologies for interrupting. It yeah. wasn't until you were 11 that you were diagnosed. Yep. Mm -hmm. I would complain, um, every so often, um, you know, that I didn't feel good. Um, you know, that I was really lightheaded. I'd pass out, you know, when I stood up, I'd fall over. Um, we lived in a, an environment that was pretty hot in the summer over a hundred degrees and mm -hmm. I, I pass out anytime I'd, you know, go outside. And, um, my parents just said, you're, you just want attention and um, mm. knock it off. And they took me to doctors and doctors were like, look, I, now I see the thing that's going on with your neck, but you can't have that. That's not for kids. Kids don't get that. It's so you must be doing this just to get attention. Quit it. Um, yeah. And then one time, um, my parents put me in soccer and I was at a soccer game and I passed out and I stayed passed out for several minutes and oh, my yeah. parents weren't there. Yeah. And so the soccer mom gang got together and they were like, you take her to the doctor or we're going to do it. And, um, mom took me to somebody new who said, did the thing. And then they were like, you can't have this. That's not a thing for kids, but I'll biopsy it just to get you to shut up and get out of my office. 
So he did a fine needle biopsy. I will never for the rest of my life forget the look on this man's face when he came back in the room. He was like this. He goes, you have cancer, get out. Because I don't want to be the person who deals with a prepubescent child with thyroid cancer. Nobody's ever done this before. And I don't want it to be me. Get out of here. Yeah. And he kicked me out of his office and said, don't go back. (laughs) And so, but at least I had a diagnosis then. And it turned out a lot of people um, had the same feeling. They did not want to be, you know, take that risk. We went to, I'm not going to name names, but we went to Mm -hmm. big um, teaching hospitals that you would absolutely know. And they all said the same thing. You can go back when you get it out, but we're not taking it out. Um, Yeah. So we just went to a general surgeon uh, in town to, to get it out. And he told us that it was all gone, but it wasn't gone. He left a lot of residual tumor, knowingly or unknowingly. What I mean, this wasn't this guy's specialty, right? That's not mm-hmm. what he's supposed to be doing. He's not an oncologist, right? So no hard feelings to him, but it, it, it stayed there um, and it metastasized. And I ended up developing uh, 200 tumors from the base of my brain to the top of my heart. So at that point, one of the big teaching hospitals would see me. I went back there and then I had a 12-hour surgery uh, to remove those 200 tumors. And um, I had chemo and it turned out that my body doesn't, the kind of cancer that I have is so rare that it doesn't accept chemotherapy or not the chemotherapies that were available at that time. And so they just said, there's nothing really we can do for you. If it comes back, we're just going to have to cut out whatever it is. That's sick. Um, But you will live with, you know, the after effects of this for the rest of your life. And if you know anything about thyroid stuff, your thyroid affects your metabolism. It affects every system and process and cell in your body. And I was already under so much stress. I mean, remember, I'm 11 years old. I was under yeah. so much stress, um, you know, from my family that my body wasn't working right anyway. And and that's what I wanted to ask you, which was there were issues with the dynamics between you and your parents. And then you go to these different doctors, people who you think are going to help you, right? Doctors Mm -hmm. treat people, doctors help people. um, And you're turned away. I'm wondering what messages at that time you received about yourself or what thoughts did you have about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. There were big, I think it was a reinforcement of beliefs that were already there right? Based on, you know, the beliefs that I formed and the meaning that I made from my relationship with my parents and their kind of, and look, I just want to say too, I don't think my parents are bad people. I Mm -hmm. think that I know that they went through their own hard stuff. And I really do believe that was the best they could do. They were doing the best that they could. And now, uh, you know, I've worked through all this stuff. I don't have hard feelings toward them, but as a little kid, you don't know that stuff, right? And it's Mm -hmm. really hard to see the big picture when you're small. So yeah, I made some beliefs about how I'm not worthy of receiving love. That's how it started. I'm not worthy of, um, you know, being happy. And then, you know, after all this cancer stuff, it was, I don't know that I'm really worthy. I shouldn't be here. I don't know that Mm -hmm. I'm really worthy to exist at all, let alone exist and be happy. Yeah. And so then when we talk about the messages, these type, these types of messages you receive, and then I'm sure at different points, you in, may have internalized them to, you know, believe that they were true, especially if there were different things that happened that reinforced some of these messages or some of these thoughts. Um, and on your journey with the, with the higher self, right? So when we talk about Well, before we can get into healing the higher self, I think it would be helpful to explain what exactly that is, right? For those who may not be aware of that kind of terminology, what is the higher self? Um, 
And how did working on, and I realize this is two parts, but working on healing this inner part of you um, help to heal some of those messages you received as a kid? Oh, 1000%. So, okay. So in, for me, and I think, you know, everybody's got their different, um, you know, belief systems around this. This is mine and it's what works for me. I believe that my higher self is, it's me. It's my soul. It's also God. For me, it's all the same. Mm. So for me, I believe that if we were to go back in time before the beginning of this earth, and we keep on going back until we go before there was anything, where everything that will ever exist is all together in one, I believe that's God. And I believe in there is me, but I'm not separate from it. I'm not different from it. And I'm not a walled off part of it. I just am that. I am that, which means that I get to be the God or the queen of me and my own universe, mm-hmm. that level of control. And listen to me, this is something that I got to, you know, in the last like six years, I did not have this belief system when I was little <laughs> growing up, right? I would have had a whole different childhood. Um, but this is what I believe now, right? That, um, that because of that, when I look for answers, I'm not looking for something outside of me. I'm mm-hmm. looking for something that is within me, but it's detached from the emotion of the situation. Mm-hmm right? Mm. It's able to see things from a higher perspective. It's not being limited by my past experiences and my limiting beliefs, right? It's that bird's eye, non-judgmental, totally loving and benevolent view um, of me and of my life that I get to have access to. And I believe that our um, unconscious mind that runs our body and, you know, controls our emotional responses and all of that is the conduit. It's the channel um, between our higher self and our conscious minds, our thinking brains, our logical brains, mm-hmm. right? And so I believe that our mm-hmm. emotions and our intuition are that sort of, you know, the radio station through which we get those messages from our higher self. And and I also believe that I know this absolutely occurred for me and it occurs for the women that I work through. In order to stay in a victim mode, in order to stay in a situation where you are, you know, working yourself and overgiving to the point of depletion, um, there's that voice in you that you're going to hear that says, well, I don't think this is right for you. <laughs> we shouldn't do this anymore. Right. And in mm-hmm. order to stay in that situation, you must turn the volume knob on that thing down or it's going to drive you nuts. Yeah. You have to. I don't believe you can lose your connection to your higher self. Because it is you. You can't lose you, right? But mm. you you can turn the, the volume knob all the way down. And so it, for all intents and purposes, it's gone because you have a hard time hearing it, right? And that's what I did. That's what I did. What yeah. do you so, think? Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that um, in, in learning to trust myself again, right? In healing some of that stuff from my past and learning to trust my intuition, trust my emotions to lead me in the right direction. And then taking little baby steps, right? If I would get one of that message, one of those messages that said, girl, this isn't right for you. You need to leave now and doing it and Mm -hmm. following through, right? Listening to those messages that said, you know, I don't think you should go to this place or I don't think you should go here. And at what point did you start to turn down the volume? Or at yeah. what point were you not able to to hear as clearly? That happened for me early, really, really early. Um, I just I just wasn't you know happy as a young child. I just didn't feel loved by my parents, and mm-hmm. that you know I'm a highly kinesthetic, highly intuitive person. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, in order to just make it through and be okay, I had to turn that volume knob down at a really, really young age. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, my parents went through a divorce when I was fairly young, you know, even though my parents weren't great together or individually, that was still hard too. Um, and then, you know, there were just a lot of tough things to work through. I was sexually assaulted, um, when I was 16, you know, obviously the cancer stuff. Another thing I didn't mention is I had a chronic pain condition that was really, really intense. It started at the age of two, um, mm-hmm. and did not go away until I found this work and then it went away overnight. So just, you know, a lot of really hard stuff that there's no way I could have gotten through without the resources of an adult, right. With either, either without an adult there to guide me through like a parent, yeah. right. Yeah. Or without being an adult myself, you got to do what you got to do. Um, and what I had to do then was to just, you know, turn down that knob, um, you know, of my intuition so that I could make it through. And then, Unfortunately, what that left me with is in in college, my relationship with my parents, my mother in particular, was it was so awful. I went to school about four hours away from our home and she would call me while I was I was a student. I was a student athlete and I was also working and she would call me at work um, and she would just berate me on the phone for two hours. And I would sit there and cry and I would, you know, answer, I knew it was her and I'd answer the phone every time and then just sit there and sob at work. And then she'd hang up and be like, okay, I'll call you Thursday. <laughs> and we'd repeat this process twice a week. Yeah. And then I started dating a guy that I, I, the only reason I dated him and he knew this is I, I took one look at him and I said, he'll get me out of this, that mm-hmm. he is how this stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't do it on my own. And, uh, and that's what happened. Um, he got me out of that relationship, but you know, a lot of the patterns that I created in my relationship or that were there, right. In my relationship with, you know, my parents, I still had all those self-sacrificial beliefs. I still did not believe that it was okay for me to even really exist, let alone be exist, you know, exist in this world and be happy and, you know, fulfilled and joyful at the same time. I couldn't have any of that going on at once. Yeah. And uh, that set me up to live um, in in a 14-year domestic violence relationship. When we, and if, and again, if we're, we're kids, we don't know certain information, right? We're, we don't have access to certain information and resources. And, um, and if we don't tell somebody who can actually help, because unfortunately there are times when people do share information um, or share what's going on and people tend to uh, downplay it or um, <laughs> gaslight them. Um, but my, my point is when, when we don't have access to safe resources mm-hmm. and we don't, we're not able to look at the patterns that we are a part of, look at the dynamics. We all take on these different roles in our uh, families and our different relationships. And if we aren't aware of those patterns and aware of the roles that we're taking on, we recreate them. So then we go from living with parents who had narcissistic traits to now being in a relationship in a marriage with somebody who is abusive. And none of this obviously is to blame you or anybody else who was in a similar situation. It's mm-hmm. what we do. We do what what feels for uh, quote unquote normal to us. That's right? right. So if I felt this way before, I'm used to feeling this way. This is my normal. And That's so right. then I go to that. There's this, and when I say this to people, I <laughs> I can get a, a real strong reaction, which is there's a comfort in that. And I don't mean comfort where I like this, but comfort where I'm familiar with this. It's the devil um, that you know. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it there is a comfort in saying, well, I know how to deal with a personality like this. Well, yeah. I'll know what to do to keep myself safe in this situation or how to get what I need from this person. Like we work with it. Yes. Right. And we work with our when our trauma, when our alarm systems go off. Exactly. And so it's what do we what do we do? Do we yes. fight? flight, freeze, submit, attach. Mm-hmm. And that's what it sounds like was happening, right? So we go again from the, the, the parents' home to this marriage and mm-hmm. your systems were activated and you were doing what you, and we didn't obviously dig into your that relationship, but what you needed to do in order to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred percent. And, and I think and I'm, I've, I'm happy to talk about my marriage and I talk about it all the time because it is a really important part of my story and I'm happy to do that. And I think it's so important to acknowledge what you said and to look below the surface here about wanting to create a feeling of safety. What we're talking about here is animal level survival. That mm-hmm. is what you're asking for when you mm-hmm. are asking for safety. You can't have joy and abundance in the same place as safety because mm-hmm. joy and abundance comes from a place of more. It comes from a place of overflow. And if you're looking for safety, you're just looking for the bare minimum, mm. right? It needs to be a yes and. Yes, I feel safe and it's okay for me to have more right now, mm. right? And, and I wasn't there. And for me, I had to get to that spot where I believed that I did create the situation because I got to a place, my ex-husband was an alcoholic um, and he was abusive in, in any way you can imagine. And I remember very specific, I mean, we had many talks about this, right? But I would just go to him and I'd be like, look, I've given up on the idea of being loved and cherished. Like, forget it. I know it's not going to happen. Never mind. Can you just treat me like one of your bar buddies? <laughs> How about that? Like, uh, that's cool with me. I'm fine with that. And, you know, he would retort with like, you're insane. You're crazy. None of the stuff you're telling me happened, happened. Um, you're, you know, you know, all the gaslighting things, right? Mm-hmm. And I went to him and I remember so clearly saying, the only problem in my life is the way you're treating me. If you would stop doing this, my life would be perfect. And it all of a sudden dawned on me, oh my God, he doesn't think there's anything wrong with the way he's treating me. He Mm. is disincentivized from changing his behavior simply because I'm here and I'm allowing this to continue, right? He Mm. gets to go throughout the day and be Mr. Big Guy and go have fun, right? And get drunk with his buddies and have fun. And all the while he's accumulating emotions, right? He's accumulating emotions that he hasn't dealt with and he doesn't feel like doing that work on. And that's his business. If that's the choice you want to make, that's all right. But then he's coming home and he's taking those feelings out on me in a very literal way. And this is only occurring because I'm allowing it to occur. That does not mean that his behavior is acceptable. There is no universe where his behavior is acceptable. But when I can get to the place where I say, I see how I am allowing this to continue. I take all my power back to change it. Until I got to that point, I was completely powerless because I was Mm -hmm. going, it's you, it's you, it's you. And until you change and until you do something about it, I don't know, maybe I'm going to die. Maybe I will. I already feel dead inside. Mm -hmm. Right? And he was sitting here saying, nobody's dead. Nobody's dead. What are you talking about? Life is great. Because for him, it was great. 
Because for him, life was working exactly the way he wanted to. It was about to change because I was about to say, no, thank you and take a hike, right? And then he was going to have to deal with all that stuff on his own. But until I made that choice, he, he did have the perfect life for himself. So how did you take your power back? Okay. So after that altercation with my ex-husband, things got pretty bad that night. Things escalated and there was violence that happened. I had three kids. My oldest was... 12, almost 13. And she came to me and she said, mom, why don't you just leave? Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I, I did that flash forward thing where I had a role reversal and it was like 10 years in the future. She's in an abusive relationship and I'm going to her. Mm-hmm. And I say, why don't you just leave? I don't understand this. How could you allow somebody to treat you this way? And I just went, oh, if I don't do something about it, that's what's going to happen. Okay, I'm done. I don't care what the consequences are. That's not acceptable to me. I don't care how scared I am. I don't care. I don't care. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And I just said, whatever happens, it does not matter to me. That's never going to be a thing that happens in our life. And it, And it was, it was, I had to get to a cause that was greater than myself, greater than my own fears, more powerful than that. Right. And it was my kids. And for for you, it was seeing if I don't break this, then the pattern continues. Because the pattern yeah. had been continuing, right? And yeah. The whatever, and I don't want to harp on childhood because f- yes, things we experience things during our childhood, and as we grow older, we get to then decide what do we want to do and how do we navigate life. Yeah. Um, however, they what happens during our childhood plays an important part on who we think we are and what we think we deserve. And so in that moment, oh, that's so powerful. In that moment when you're having that conversation with your daughter and you saw what you would say to her, it was, well, I need to break this now because if I don't, then when does that happen? When does that happen? Because until yeah. then, it was a buildup of everything that's happened. The mm-hmm. relationship with your parents, the medical issues when you were younger, the sexual assault, and the, the current the relationship you were in at that time. Hmm, mm-hmm. That's that yeah. is so powerful. And the the whole time, the reason I stayed in that marriage for so long is because I thought I'm never going to get rid of this guy. Right? Mm-hmm. He's going to be my kid's dad. We have kids together. Right? And he's going to have to see them. Well, I, I don't, if I'm not there, like I understand what's happening here, right? He's Mm -hmm. disincentivized to deal with his emotions. I know he's not right now, at least the kind of guy who's going to want to go and do therapy on this and like really work on it. So he doesn't take these feelings out of my kids. So what am I going to leave my kids alone with him so they can be the punching Mm -hmm. bag? No, thank you. Right. That was my thought process the whole time. That's why I stayed. I know people always do that. Why'd you stay for so long? There it is. Right. I, I thought that's what being a good mom meant, T- being the punching bag, right? Guarding them, shielding them from all of that stuff so they didn't have to go through it. And then it was, I just had to realize that I'm not shielding them from anything. All I'm doing is making sure that this continues into the future. Well, that's a no. And then as you know, you know, we changed and I've left and we went through some things, right? And then I realized, oh my God, my 13-year-old daughter now gets to learn how learn what an abuser looks like, learn what abusive situations look like and don't look like, right? And how to stand up for herself to these. I didn't learn these things until I was 40 years old. What a blessing is it for her to be able to learn these when she's 13 and there are no, she doesn't have kids. There's no consequences from screwing this up. It, I just, 
my eyes were opened after I left and I was able to create for the first time in my life, a home that was peaceful and loving. And, and breaking the pattern, breaking generational patterns, it happens with one choice, with yeah, one right. decision. And so a that's lot right. of people feel it has to be this grandiose thing that happens, but it's yeah. a, it's a choice. It's a decision. It's a and mm-hmm. in that moment, you made that decision. And, yep. um, I just, I, I love that. And I resonate with it because in many ways, I, the choices that I've made for my life help to break generational patterns. And, and some of the things that I've learned from my mom, um, helped to do that, help me to be able to do that. So yeah. I, I just resonate a lot with what you, what you share and thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. And um, I think speaking to what you're saying too, I think, I really think that I'm the epitome of the power of decision because mm-hmm. I was a stay at home mom for, I was an unemployed stay at home mom for 14 years. He makes about half a million dollars a year. Okay. He makes very, very good money. And so I went from that and I knew in that moment that I made a choice, like I'm, I have nothing. And because Mm -hmm. of my relationship with my parents, I sought restraining orders on them years ago. So they're not an option, right? I was, I knew in that moment, I'm choosing to be on my own in every way. Well, at that moment, that meant I had to continue to live in that house with that man after Mm -hmm. I made that choice. And the wonderful part was that like, instantly I was different. And if you, this is a real oversimplification, but if you can think of yourself kind of like a vending machine, right? And you know, and everybody else knows that you push button C7 and out comes a Snickers bar. And I mean, they've been pushing that button for years and they get a Snickers bar and then you change. And what's inside that machine changes. You push button C7 and here comes a banana and everybody's going to lose their minds a little bit because the stuff they've been doing (laughs) isn't working anymore. Right. For, for good or not so good. That's just the way it is. When you change, the people around you have to change. Well, I changed so much in such a short period of time. My ex-husband, to this day, he started believing this when I was living with him, but to this day, he believes that I have the power to control his mind. <laughs> yep. Because he can't understand. Like, how did I go from that to who I am now? in that short period of time. And why does he all of a sudden like me? And why does he all of a sudden want to work with me? What? Because he's really drawn to powerful people. He likes that. And I got that. I got all Mm. sorts of that. And it turns out he really likes it now. Mm -hmm. And and he's just sure I'm doing some witchy stuff and I'm controlling his mind. I mean, it's fine with me. If he believes that that's totally fine, (laughs) but no, it's, it's the power of decision. The power of decision and what else was a part of your, of your journey, of your healing journey? So the other thing I had was, um, I had this incredible, incredible healing moment. So Mm -hmm. I mentioned just really quickly that I also had a chronic pain condition since I was two years old called interstitial cystitis is basically unexplained chronic, intense bladder pain that only Mm -hmm. narcotic for me, at least only narcotics would touch. And I didn't want to take narcotics. And of course, while I was younger, my parents and the doctors were like, stop it. You're just making it up. Quit it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, you know, went through my life, um, as just in pain. And I thought there was a doctor one time who was like, look, hopefully you'll grow out of this. Just get through this part of your life and hopefully you'll grow out of it. And by the time I was like 13, 14, you know, I'd already been through a couple of cancer surgeries and I was like, 
feeling a little bit better physically after getting the cancer out, I was like, okay, well, maybe I can feel better. All right. Well, I just, I mean, if, if there's no medical answer for what I'm going through, then I guess it's, I just got to find it within myself to ignore it or get over it or something. And so I just decided, well, I want to go have fun. I want to be in choir. I want to be in band. I want to be on the volleyball team. I can't do that if I got this. So stop, <laughs> forget it. And somehow in some way I did kind of grow out of it. It did go away to about 80% until the worst part of my marriage came. And then it came back like it had never been. And the pain that I felt 24 hours a day was so intense that just the pressure of having clothes on my body would cause me to either throw up or pass out. Like it was, and I wouldn't be able to sleep for days on end because I was in so much pain. It was horrible. And I thought like, this is not Treatable. Like, this is just life for me. And I'm either going to have to find a way to be okay with narcotics or be okay with this, right? I'm doing the either or thing, but you know, this is how life is supposed to be. So I found my own, um, a master hypnotherapist, um, right after I made the decision to get a divorce, I'm still living with my ex-husband. I went and got my own credit card and I paid for her on that credit card. I thought that was money well spent. And I've mentioned this to her, this pain condition to her in passing, just saying like, yeah, no, I'd like full disclosure. I got this thing. I know you can't deal with it, but I'm just going to tell you about it anyway. And we just left it and never touched it. And then one day, right before we had virtual sessions and right before one of our sessions, it flared up so bad. Like I couldn't open my eyes. I was sobbing hysterically and I didn't want to waste her time. So I messaged her and said, look, this is what's going on for me. I don't, I don't want to waste your time. And she said, nope, this is happening for a reason. I'll see you in five. I said, all right, well, I told you, I guess it's on you. So I showed up. She had me rate my pain on a scale of one to 10. I said, it's a 35. And she's like, okay, all right. And so we started digging into a little bit and we went back into my childhood. And she said, just ask your higher self to show you a time when this problem started. And I saw myself as a little girl and I felt myself really, really desperately wanting love and attention from my parents. And I said, but that can't be it. And she goes, love what if it is? What if you did so desperately need love and attention? Love and attention is like water to a plant. Humans cannot survive without this stuff. And what if you were so desperate and so starved for it that somewhere inside you, you decided that this was a good thing for you, for uh, the only way you were going to be able to get love and attention from your parents. And she's like, if you, if you had the power to create it, then you have the power to undo it. And I didn't really believe her, but we went through this process called timeline therapy that I use with my patients, with my patients, with my clients. <laughs> and, and after the session, she goes, look, I noticed you're not really crying anymore. Where's your pain now? And I, I'm like, oh my God, it's at like a three. And she goes, mm -hmm, call me when it's at a zero. And I'm like, that's girl, stop it. So <laughs> I took all of our sessions sitting in my car outside of a Starbucks. So I wouldn't have to take them at home. So mm -hmm. I, I drove home. And by the time I got home, it was a zero and that was seven years ago and it's never come back. And, and I, it was magic. And it was right then when I pulled into my driveway, I said, that's it. I don't know what this is, but I have to do it. Because when you said when you were, when you were younger, you, mm -hmm. there were certain things you wanted to do and you couldn't do it with a pain. And so then, then years later, we fast forward, you're in the situation you were in and the body responds. And it's always fascinating to me how the body will talk to us but we don't necessarily pay attention to it or yeah. we shrug it off as something else. But 
we have these reactions or the the, the, res- the response to what's going on around yeah. us. And so um, oh, I'm just, I'm so fascinated by the timeline. What was it called? Timeline, timeline therapy. Timeline mm-hmm. therapy. And when yeah. you were able to see yourself at that point, if we could create it, then we can undo it. That's so powerful. Yep. We can and that was another instance of me having to get out of the blame game right? Yes. Blaming all the doctors and blaming my parents. And like, I was doing that. And like, again, there's no universe where their behavior is acceptable. Like that's never going to be okay. And also, as long as I'm saying it's you, it's you, it's you, and I can't change it. Only you can do it. Then it's never going to get better. And there are situations that we don't create, right? So something, um, I've used DBT with, uh, Mm -hmm. with therapy clients. And one of the principles is, we're not creating, we're not responsible for creating all of our problems, but we're responsible for solving them. So even the problems that I have not created, because you didn't create mm-hmm. that, right? You didn't create the the dynamic between your parents. You didn't mm-hmm. tell them to be this way and to treat you this way. You didn't create it. And nope. we're not going to take ownership over that either. But because mm-hmm. even though I didn't create it, I still have an obligation to myself to do something about how I'm experiencing yes. my world right now yes. um, and to show up powerfully and doing that. And so I, I, I just, I love that. Um, I love all of it, not the pain. I just love the story of no, but of that, I overcoming. Think that's right. <laughs> yeah. The issue is that like, yeah, you did it, but I'm the one who's experiencing pain. The pain is within me and mm-hmm. y- you could have, I don't know, all the medical, spiritual, emotional tools you want to, you don't have the power to fix that within me. Right. Exactly. And when it, when, when it comes to client work, like I can have the best intentions and I can have all the tools and all that. But if you think you're unfixable, it's not going to be fixed. Exactly. Right? That's, that's, um, that's the issue. Uh, so how does that relate specifically to, or again, and when we use this, the terminology higher self, how does that relate to the healing, the healing piece? So if somebody is in a situation and they are feeling not good enough. They are feeling um, as if they are the blame for everything or in the space of having to blame other people because their life isn't the way they want it to. What's something that they can do to start the, the healing process? Okay. Two things. One, um, it comes back to remembering who you really are. Okay. Go back in time. Go back all the way back to the very, very beginning of time where there was only one thing, where everything that is, was, and ever will be is all together in one. Mm -hmm. That's true abundance, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is there, including you. And because of that, you're not meant to live a limited life. You're meant to live an abundant life. Yes. So you have to get to the place where you have a deep knowing within yourself, not just a cognitive knowing, but a deep knowing within yourself that you are meant for more. You are not meant to suffer. You are not meant to be in pain. Yes. Sometimes we need a little bit of a push and a little bit of pain gives us the little push we need to take the uncomfortable action that's going to move us into an even greater level of expansion and abundance. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Suffering happens when we allow that pain to continue, right? But the basis of the, the crux of the matter here is that you are meant for joy. You are meant for pleasure. You are meant for abundance. You are not meant for any of that other stuff. Okay, that other stuff is just to help you move up. 
to help you move forward and expand into more. Now, the question becomes, okay, I see that. How do I get there? Well, my favorite tool for that is something that sounds gross, but it's really effective. <laughs> it's called a word barf, and it is how it sounds. Just like when you have the flu <laughs> and you feel so much better after you throw up a whole bunch, it's the same thing. All those icky feelings and those limiting beliefs that when you're just like, ah, I'm thinking about this problem and I feel some type of way about it, but it's all just like this big ball of spaghetti and I can't pull one string out of it and I can't really name it, right? You just, you've got to get that stuff out or it's going to keep eating you alive. And you're going to be making choices based on this ick feeling and trying to get away from the ick feeling. But when we do things based on ick, we get more ick, right? Mm -hmm. We need to be in a state of joy in order to get more joy. That's how it works, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple ways you can do this. You can, you know, good old fashioned journal, right? If you're into that, that's great. Get your journal out and just let the first thing out that wants to come out. And the first thing that wants to come out could be, this is dumb. I don't like it. That's fine. <laughs> just write it down and then write down the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, <laughs> right? And you could do it that way. Or um, if you're kind of like me, I just have a ton of thoughts, right? And my hand can't keep up with it all. So typing it out on a computer works really well for me. Now, I stopped myself from doing this when I was married. It was one thing that would have really helped me, but I was terrified of leaving evidence in mm. any particular way. And I found what I, frankly, I got to pat myself in the back here. I think this is a brilliant workaround. So if you are a good typist, what you can do is open up a blank document and just shift your hands on the keyboard up, down. It doesn't matter. Just shift them one way. Your brain is going to know the words you're typing, but on the screen, it's going to be gibberish. So mm. even if that document gets saved, and I've actually seen research on this about how it works the same way, you don't need to consciously see it. It just needs, you need to have the feeling of getting it out, that conscious, unconscious integration, right? Mm -hmm. And it works. So you can do that. And then obviously you can delete the document or if it gets it's somehow saved on your computer, nobody's going to know what it says, but you're still going to be able to have the benefits of getting all of those emotions out. Oh, I and love the that. third. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. I wish I would have realized that when I was married, that would have helped a lot. And my, the third way, and this is frankly the way that I use all the time because I'm an external processor. So if you're somebody who like when you got an issue, you need to call up your best friend and just mm -hmm. talk it out, right? You may not necessarily be looking for advice mm -hmm. um, and you're not, you're, you're just looking to kind of vent a little bit. If that's your main way to get through stuff, you don't have to barf all over your friends. What you can do is open up the voice and my friends know you're not allowed to barf on me. If you haven't done this first, don't call me. <laughs> so you can open up the voice memo app on your phone and then pretend like you're having a conversation either with your bestie or what I think is better with your higher self. Your higher self who has access to all the answers and is totally non-judgmental, right? Have that conversation with your higher self. I'm telling you now, it is going to shock you. It doesn't matter how you do it. It will shock you. The things that come out of you, the beliefs that you had no idea were living underneath the surface, the connections that you're going to make. Oh, I see my role in this. I see how this thing that I totally thought was unrelated to this, those things are totally related. And I can see the thing that's holding them all together now. Just doing that, just bringing those beliefs and emotions to the service. Once they're in the light of day, sometimes they just look so silly and ridiculous because they've been living in you since you were a little, little kid, right? Mm -hmm. And now they make no sense. So bringing them to light allows them to just evaporate. And that in and of itself, getting things out so it's not eating you alive anymore can actually really do some huge, huge healing. And the thing I think that is really important for people to remember, just like barfing when you have the flu, you know when you're done. So if you think you're done, <laughs> right? 
and <laughs> and you don't feel a big internal shift. You don't have more clarity on the situation, right? You're not done yet. You got to keep going. Mm. Yeah. Do you think, and my apologies if you if if you answered this already, but do you think that the higher your higher self is your is a future version of you, or is it just your intuition on a deeper level? It's yes and. <laughs> it's all of that and, right? Like, how do you describe God consciousness, right? It's everything mm -hmm. that is, was, and ever will be. And it's mm -hmm. also me, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's everything here is a yes and. I don't try to get too bogged down in the details of that one. Okay. I just know that it's not outside me. It is me. And mm -hmm. I get to see it above me. Does that make sense? So again, it's a yes and. Yes. Right? Yes. It's me, the version of me that's above all the noise, above all the crap, above all the ick. And it's looking down on the situation. It has all the answers, all the resources that I will ever need. That's mm -hmm. not outside of me. It is me. I see it outside of me because that's more helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. That makes sense. Okay. So how do you know if you are, and I want to, I'm asking this intentionally, um, for somebody who's at the beginning of their journey, how do you know that you are disconnected from your higher self? Like what are some things that people can, as they start to assess mm -hmm. um, without judgment, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they are disconnected, that they, that they turn the volume down? Yeah, yeah. Are you chronically unhappy? Mm. Are you chronically feeling unfulfilled? We all have moments, right? When mm -hmm. we don't feel happy and that's fine. That's normal. I believe emotions are our guideposts in life. They're there mm -hmm. for a reason. They're there to show you don't go that way, go this way or right. Mm -hmm. Or I want mm -hmm. more of this. Let's go down here. So that's all fine and good. But if you're feeling chronically unhappy, chronically unfulfilled, if you are having chronic physical issues, there can be an emotional and a spiritual underpinning for that right? Mm. And chronic physical issues can lead to issues with feeling, you know, chronically frustrated, you know, beliefs about what you deserve to have, right? And what's okay for you, right? There's an emotional underpinning to that. And you can heal that and start to feel better about yourself. And, you know, like me, um, your body may change as a result of that, right? So the first part really is getting to a place where you believe that it's okay. It is safe. Not only is it safe, I really feel like, especially as women, we have a responsibility hmm. to live in abundance. And let's be all the way real. I think Black women, in particular women of color, have a responsibility to do everything they can, but to believe, to believe that they deserve more. Because out of everybody who's received messaging, y'all have received the worst of it, right? Oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> We've all received messaging. Bring my hair like this is a <laughs> message is about myself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Mm -hmm. I think as women, we're women are just because of our divine feminine nature. We are programmed to want to heal. If I gave any, if I gave you hundred million dollars right now the first thing you might do is pay off some things and need to get paid off. And the second thing that you would do, I can almost guarantee it is do something that's going to make other people feel really good. Right? Yeah. That's how we're wired. So if you choose to live every moment in joy and you choose to believe that not only is abundance your birthright, it's your duty. Mm -hmm. 
that alone, doing that for yourself will heal the world. It will. And you have to believe that that's good for you. Is abundance your birthright, but it is your duty. Yep. Girl. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. And listen, we don't need any more images of struggling women. Mm -hmm. We especially don't need any more images of struggling women of color. We don't need more of that, right? We need more women to be at the top and it doesn't have to be hard. And I think this is the thing that I want everybody to understand. It does not have to be hard. If you change your way and you remember who you truly are, so you change the way you see yourself, you see your past and you see your future and your purpose. You go back and you use these tools to heal your emotions and your beliefs about yourself. So you're not carrying that baggage with you. Mm -hmm. You move your pleasure threshold up. So you expand your capability to receive joy now. And then you take big ballsy action, right? That is how that's going to move you in the direction of your desires. That is how you become a warrior woman. That is how you become unfuckwithable. And that is how nobody can mess with you anymore. Nobody well, can mess with you anymore. Well, because how could they do that? If, if you did that, how could they, right? And not just how could uh, they, you know, mess with you or or anything like that, but it's how could you believe some of the negative messaging that you've received, right? How could That's you believe exactly right. that you were no longer, that you are not worthy of your desires? How could you believe that you are not deserving of something better, of something more, deserving to not be in a shitty relationship or an abusive relationship, deserving to not have to deal with toxic people? So yes, yes, doing that work, you become unfuckwithable. <laughs> yep. yep. You know, and I think there's one more piece too. I think everybody's got, and I know this. Everybody has examples in their life of times when things were so hard, you didn't think they were going to work out. And then they did, but you're not paying attention. Mm, Right. mm -hmm. Once I had that moment for myself where I, in an hour, healed a chronic issue that I thought was just going to devastate me for the rest of my life. And doctors told me it was incurable. And I care. You tell me what I can't do now. (laughs) Tell me what can't I do? Mm. Right. That changed everything for me in that moment. You know, yesterday I was, I, I couldn't watch the whole thing. <laughs> I, who'd want to do that? But those Senate hearings with mm-hmm. the gymnasts who'd been abused by Larry Nasser, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And watching these women, everything that, I mean, the abuse is one thing, right? Then coming for having the courage to come forward with that abuse. And they took it all the way to the FBI. And then they had their worst fears realize as a sexual assault survivor, what are the worst things that you think could happen? Well, I'm going to tell somebody and nobody's going to care, or I'm going to tell somebody and they're going to minimize it, or I'm going to tell somebody and they're going to use it as a weapon against me. And all of those things happened to these women and they still kept going. And a lot of them, they did that. And then the next day or later on that day, they went out and won gold medals. Mm. Come back here and tell me what these women cannot do. Nothing. There's nothing they can't do. And the men who perpetrated these things to them, the men who did it, right, is now in prison. And the men who worked within the FBI who went and hit it and tried to downplay it, they're not up here talking to Congress. They're not doing that. They're Who knows what they're doing right now? But these women have the courage and the bravery to come forward and to say this out loud and take that risk so that they can heal themselves. And by healing themselves, they heal the world. I don't, you can't tell me that there is a thing on this earth that they can't do. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. 
absolutely nothing, including living every day with joy, which probably feels like the hardest thing you'll ever do. Yes. And it's not only stepping into your power, but owning it, right? Because that owning it piece is that courage to keep moving forward and persevere, even mm -hmm. when you get ignored, even when your claims are minimized, even when they say, well, this didn't happen and, and you know, these different things, but that yeah. owning the power of, no, I have a voice and my voice matters yeah. is what takes you to the for lack of a better word, but takes you to the next level. And so sure. in situations where people may feel powerless or they may have let the story of the past be their current tape, everybody has the ability to step into it. Yep. And I think that happens in something, you didn't say it flat out, but as you were speaking about the realizations of your situation when you were married, uh, when you were in that marriage was being truthful, right? Being truthful to myself of what's happening, of what this is. I can't dress it up anymore. I can't make this pretty. I can't, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, the, there was a saying, you know, spray perfume on, yep. I can't do that. I can't make it smell <laughs> any better, right? And so I gotta own what is happening. I may not like it. I may not mm -hmm. like that I've stayed for so long. I may not like that this is what's happened, but I do have to, I have to own what my truth is. Yep. And that helps to go to that next level. That's my point is that's where that courage factor comes into play. Yes. Yes. And here's the thing, like you start out with this level of self-belief, which means like, I know that there's more is possible for me. Right. And you, you see what you want, but your current, your current situation is down here. So we've got a gap mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. what you believe is possible and what's currently going on. This gap must close. Mm -hmm. So what's either going to happen is and the way we hope it happens is that you start doing different stuff and your results go up like this, your situation improves, or if you start doing things or you don't do stuff differently and time just goes on, that level of self-belief is going to come down. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I know you've seen this happen with clients because I've seen it happen too. That self-belief can go down below the place where it was when you started. And now you are worse off than had you ever had this realization in the first place. So what comes in between this gap? How do we stop that from happening? And that is getting help from somebody who has the specific tools to walk you through. When I hear people saying like, yes, I want this, I want to do it, but I can't afford it, or I don't have enough time, or I got kids and I got to take care of them and I can't do this for myself now. They don't realize what they're risking. Mm -hmm. What they're risking is their belief mm -hmm. in themselves and what's possible for them. And girl, that can be hard to get back. It, it's yeah. possible, but it yeah. can be hard. Yeah, because the, yeah, the belief in yourself and what's possible and not just for the moment, the present moment is absolutely important and, and also that future self, yeah. right? Because what we do now is creating that future self, that, that future yeah. situation, that future circumstance. Um, yeah. I think this is a perfect time to transition into the how you help. And I know we talked a little bit about this in the beginning. So right now, uh, the way that I work with clients primarily is in a one-to-one -one setting um, in what I call my quantum healing intensive. Uh, it is a six-week program. So it's big change really, really fast where we go in and do all this stuff, right? We examine what are, we change your perspective on how you see yourself now, your past, 
um, your future and what's possible for you and your purpose so that you get yourself to that state of believing that you have the power to change, that everything you desire is possible for you. That's a do not pass go scenario in my book. Mm -hmm. Then we work on uncovering and healing all that stuff from the past that's causing you to stay stuck and unfulfilled and unhappy in the present moment. Then we get clear on, all right, now what would happen for you? What specific kind of joy, what specific kind of pleasure will happen for you when you get all the things you want? And first of all, answering that question, what do I want? So many people have such a hard time with that. And I find that most of the intensive part of my work is getting to that girl, what do you want? Right. Some people are afraid to even admit what it is they want, because then yeah. then I would have to change the story. I would have yeah. to change the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it sounds like a simple question, but <laughs> but it's got a huge impact because, you know, as soon as I say that, shit, I'm going to have to do the stuff that's going to mm -hmm. get me there. I don't really want to do that because it's scary. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that last step is growing your lady balls and doing those things. And this is one of those times where, like, it's so invaluable to have somebody like me who's going to be on Voxer with you every day, sending you messages, checking in with you. You said you were going to do this. Are you going to, did you do it? Okay. If you didn't do it, it's okay. What happened? Help me understand what happened. Did you, you know, did something, I don't know, did something go on in your life and it's just a fluke thing and like, all right, that's fine. No big deal. Let's do it tomorrow. Or is there a pattern that's playing out here that we need to address so that you can keep going, right? And move forward and get those things that you want. So it's huge train uh, change in my quantum healing intensive in a very, very short condensed period of time. Mm -hmm. And then I'm super excited about this because, you know, it's an intense change. It really is. And you got to be ready for that. You got to be ready to do a 180 in your life. Um, and when you do a 180 in your life, some folks might not appreciate that. And they might decide that they're not a good fit for being your friend anymore, whatever. And you got to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And some people aren't. Um, and that's okay. That's where you are in your journey right now. Right. And I think the other piece is I'm doing this for you in the quantum healing intensive. I'm not giving you the tools. We're getting this done right in a short period of time, but I'm opening up a warrior woman university where I'm showing you how to do it for yourself. So that you have all, you have the tools and the processes and you have that brand new perspective. You've gone back and remembered who you truly are so that it doesn't matter what happens to you going forward. You have everything that you need to deal with it. And you have a community of like-minded women who are there. If you face a problem and you're like, no, I, I got, I did the things I did the word barf and I did all this other stuff. And I still don't understand what's going on. You've got a community of women there who are all have the same frame of mind, the same mindset, the same women who want to see you succeed, who can come in and help you to get to the root of this. So you don't have to suffer anymore. And I think the thing is, even if you don't have kids that you are immediately you know, sending messaging to not just through your words, but through your actions and through the way that you live. It doesn't matter if you have kids or not, you're a part of the messaging that's happening in society, mm -hmm. right? You see, you have a friendship group. Um, you know, if you're going to a regular nine to five job, you have colleagues, you see people out on the street and at Starbucks and the way you live your life is sending messages to those people. So when you change yourself, you are creating a ripple effect of positive change out in the entire world. So it's not just for you. It is for everybody else, right? And so Absolutely. that's really my mission is to end the suffering of women and create a better planet. 
by helping women to get the tools they need to stop suffering, stop staying in victim mode and become unfuckable. I love it. I love it. Um, so I don't have kids, but I have nieces and nephews yep. and uh, part of, or what I, something I always say is that when we do the work on ourselves, it goes beyond just us. It's not just a me thing, but yeah. if I am working on my own healing, then I get to heal, help heal certain things that that uh, relates to my family. Then I get to heal, help heal what's going on in communities, and then that person and that person. So it's not a the the selfish part. We we may only think of just us, but it's not a just me thing. It's what I do is going to have this impact that can help so many other people, and yeah. you know, especially with everything that's happening in our world, right? We yeah. need more of that because yeah. that's going to help all of us grow. Um, and that's going to help us grow spiritually too, right? So that yeah. spiritual part of us, that soul, yeah. that lesson that we came here to learn, like the, it, it, yeah, I always feel like I'm, I'm, that sometimes it's too like woo woo love child kind of thing, but <laughs> <laughs> reality is like, you know, and I've said this before, we're all connected. And so my healing journey can help your healing journey. And it can yeah. also help me to understand you as a person versus mm -hmm. just what I see. Um, yes. Vice versa. So I love that. And what is it called again? The Warrior Woman University? Warrior Woman University. Yep. Yeah, Launching yeah. end of December, 1st of January. I'm so excited about that. it. How yeah. long is the program? Is it a group program or is it a mastermind or is it um... it's a group program totally self-paced course and you get lifetime access that's the thing awesome. i'm here to create a community so as mm -hmm. soon as you get in you get in for life and the thing about me is that one of my top values is personal growth i cannot stop <laughs> learning you know better more efficient you know ways to understand myself in the world better more efficient processes and every time i do that i can't shut up about it i got to you know <laughs> right i got to update my processes i got to do all those things so folks who get in early get to get you know from the ground up you know and you get all the things and of course you know the stuff i'm sharing with people now um has gone through 30 40 revisions, right? Um, this is what I do now is not anywhere near how I started. So yeah, that's, I think, one of the really cool aspects of this is that it's really about a community. And it's about yeah. a way of seeing, your, changing the way you see yourself in your life and being in a community of people who want that change for you and are willing to support you in that. And you know what, going back to what you said, just really quickly, I think that it's so important. If you feel like doing this for yourself is selfish, you might want to remember that the only reason you believe it's possible for you is because you saw somebody else do it sometime, some way back in your past. You saw somebody else who wasn't doing okay and now they're doing okay. And then you said to yourself, I could maybe do that too. Mm -hmm. What if you could be that person for not just one other person, but hundreds or thousands or millions of other people? Mm. Maybe that makes it worth it. Mm. Yeah. How do you turn that down? Right? <laughs> well, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for uh, talking with me. I've enjoyed this conversation um, and I am excited to do this again. Um, <laughs> this is so fun. I love this. Loved yeah. It. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, 
Okay, before we go, what I like to ask is, yeah. is there anything that I've missed that you think would be helpful for somebody to know? Somebody who's listening, just starting out on their journey, they want to own their power. Is there anything else that may be helpful? My favorite thing to tell people who don't know anything about this is this. If you think that you can do stuff that you don't want to do in order to try to get what you want, all you're going to get is stuff you don't like. That's it. Hmm. The truth of life is that the path to joy is paved with joy. Mm. In order to have better later, you got to have better now. You have to. That was really the whole point of me planting flowers outside my house because I cannot postpone my joy because mm. the future is never now. The future is never, ever going to be now. So the more you keep thinking that, you know, I have to, you know, do something that sucks now to try to have better later, it's never going to work for you. It's ah. never going to work. So your options are to do it in a way that you love or change the way you think about it so that you find joy in it. But don't keep doing shit you hate just for the sake of doing shit you hate. It doesn't work. I love it. Don't postpone joy. I love that. Yeah. Um, and the path to joy is joy. I like that. I like that. You know, some especially for ambitious, driven women, um, we feel feel like we have to struggle or suffer. Yeah. Um, and I have this whole. A video about resiliency and how I, I'm moving away from always needing to be resilient because that means I always need to overcome something. I always need to be in struggle. Yes. And that's not the way I want to live my life. No. I want more joy, right? And yes. so I think it's so important for, for so many of us to remember that the path doesn't always have to be so hard. And yes, we have gone through these challenges and we've gone through some things that were so fucked up, but it's everything. And yet everything after that doesn't have to be so messed up. No. So I, I, I definitely, um, I'm, a, I'm appreciative of, of, Hearing you say that, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Good. Um, you know, one of my favorite questions on this topic, just because like all the things are coming to my head now and I can't shut up about it. But um, one of my favorite questions on this topic is what would this look like if it were easy? I'm not saying mm -hmm. it can be easy. I'm not saying it has to be easy. But what would it look like if it were easy? Mm -hmm. And how can you just have a little bit of that now? And if you could have a little bit of it now, maybe you could have a little more of it now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, planting the seeds. I love that line of questioning, Dag. I was going to try and connect it to the plants <laughs> that we were talking about earlier, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I was about I to try to make this thing hard. My feet attempts with metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> but you're totally right, though. I was trying to make it hard, right? Push my joy out in the future, and like I got to suffer now. I got to not like my house now in order to have a house I like. like that's just so dumb. Mm -hmm. And it is a totally hard way to live. It doesn't have to be hard. And the yeah. truth of the matter is, all I had to do was change my mindset about my house. And then I liked it. Like, I didn't actually have to go. I like it better now that I did plant flowers. But like, change the way I think about it. I'm like, no, of course, it's cute. I love my house. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> also, I'm going to get another one. But this one's very cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, 
Okay, because I will literally keep talking. I am a talker. I know. Uh, <laughs> but I just want to say thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week on the Aligned and Free Show. Remember to head on over to bit.ly forward slash aligned and free so that you can grab your free manifestation check and join our email list. Check us out on Instagram at alignedandfree.co for more information on the Aligned and Free Show. As always subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you amazing content see you next week